there was like an inflection point about a year and a half, two years ago, where it was clear that the cap rate mm-hmm. was lower than the rate you were being charged on the loan, which meant that the lender who gave you like a 4% rate at the time or a 3.5% rate and you had a property with a 2% capitalization rate, mm-hmm. that lender was making more money on that property than you were. Exactly. Because okay. more of the money was going to pay down the mortgage than it's going in your pocket. Yes. 3.5 versus 2%, mm-hmm. right? Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. It is once again the higher standard. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And Saeed and I must confess. We have something to address. There was a technical glitch. That occurred last week. Uh, I believe the internet knows it as a rune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We uh, we actually did not get to record last week's show when we got out of the the, the recording. Mm-hmm. Arun had pressed the record button and then pressed it to stop. So we got about a three second end of the clip, and we like to attribute it to the fact that he was watching the Laker game. <laughs> he had to have been watching the NBA playoffs. Had to be. Had to. He, be. he knew an awful lot about the game. Dude, I was just I was thinking about it. So he. We walked outside. He already had stood up and he walked to the corner. Oh, he knew. He He knew. He knew. And he was just like. He was like that kid in the corner going, oh, shit, mommy and daddy going to catch me. Are they going to find out? Are they going to find out? He's like, he's going to check it now. (laughs) Fuck, he's checking it now. (laughs) Well, it's all good. We still love you. Kind of. Most days. Yeah. I I fucked up. Nah, stop it. Don't, don't. When you get down on yourself, it makes me feel like it's real. (laughs) Yeah. It's not as sexy. All right. Into the show we go. And just as awkward as as Arun's failure to address mm-hmm. his recording is me saying that I actually agree with something Janet Yellen said. Mm, you guys are BFFs now. It's very off-putting. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to wash my mouth out with soap <laughs> afterward. It was gross. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about how the Fed should let the economy equilibrate. I can't say that word ever. Mm-hmm. Says former Fed nominee Judy Shelton. I did not know who she was. Yeah, because she's only a nominee. She was nominated. Did not get it. <laughs> Didn't get it. I, I now know why. She's yeah. sane. Yeah. Sounds like a real logical person to yeah, me. Exactly. We'll get into that. Warren Buffett doesn't hold back when asked about failed bank execs. Ouch, right in the ding ding, Warren. Man, bro, we're playing for the same team. Come on, Come WB. On, what are you doing? Let's I thought this was a buffet. I, seriously. <laughs> Warren Buffet. Credit card balances have hit historic highs, and then Apple decides, you know what? Fuck it. Release the Kraken. Yeah. It's Let's it. take them all down. Game over. They sensed weakness, and Tim Cook was like, I'm about to cook these fools. Yeah. Thanks for coming. A lot of name references this yeah. week. And then we're going to end uh, the show on a little bit of a, a sexy rap. How sexy? So sexy, it's going to make you want to rush out and buy a home. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. That it's much, sexy. huh? Well, no, but uh, it's about buying a home. Okay. And you don't often get raps about buying a home. No. So I feel like, you know, it's a good way to end the show. So good. You're in for a treat. That sounded very disingenuous. <laughs> According to a Reuters article, the one and only Janet Yellen, who looks very odd. Look at, look at, look at that photo of her. The whole. You know, she just... doesn't age very well. Oof. I'm just being honest, yeah. though. You're assuming she was attractive in the first place. Big assumption. <laughs> Big assumption. I, I don't know what young Janet Yellen looked like. Everyone, you want to pull that up while I'm doing this? But uh, according to... Oh, he had it he pulled up. Did. Oh. He had it <laughs> Dude. Come yeah. On. Uh, ooh, yeah. Not a banger. When, in a, in a, oof. Come on. <laughs> mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite my tongue. Okay. According to Reuters, the U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said banks are likely to become more cautious and may tighten lending further in the wake of recent bank failures possibly negating mm -hmm. the need for further Fed reserve interest rate hikes. Well, we already know the whole banking sector, they've been holding back for quite some time. And it's not just because of the instability in you know, the banking sector, but also... You seem oddly prepared to have that conversation for a man who led into the show before we hit the record button saying, you're going to have to carry us, bro. Yeah, you are going to have to carry us, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we also know that Banks have been holding back because they need to see where the Fed interest rate stops. Yeah. And the real simple logistic reason we talked about before on the show is mm -hmm. if I make a loan today at 5% and the Fed interest rate, interest rate increases to 5.5%, mm -hmm. and now the same loan would go for 5.5%, right. my loan is less than 100% of its original value because you can get better price loans in the market tomorrow. Right. Exactly. So with that, in addition to the further tightening that'll happen, I think what they're insinuating is, look, what banks were intending to do this whole time was once the Fed decides to stop raising rates, then they can, you know, start to price out some loans and get some loans done. But at that point, they'll have to really tie down and not make loans. So I think there's a bit of a disconnect here. I think it's not tightening down lending right mm -hmm. now that we're seeing. Yes. We're seeing banks say it doesn't make financial sense for me to continue lending in this environment at the rates that I know are going to be underwater. Right. It's not the same thing as saying, whoa, we're concerned about defaults. Exactly. We're going to tighten up credit standards. Right. Right. So there's an argument whether this is actually being seen in the economy right now. Mm -hmm. Are banks making less loans because they're tightening up? Yeah. Or are they making less loans because they don't want to lose profitability because they expect this cycle to end presumptively after the next 25 basis point increase on May 3rd? Right. And in addition to everything that's been going on with some of the banks that have failed it only makes them stronger to keep more cash on reserve. And the regulators are requiring it. Yes. The regulators want you to keep as much cash as you can on hand in the event, in the worst case event scenario, that mm -hmm. another bank were to fail. There's another run on banks. They want to make sure that no more banks fail and that they're holding liquidity in, in just in a worst case event scenario. But right. this is one of the things where I, I don't disagree with Janet Yellen. I don't, I don't, think, she, I don't think it's the article's phrase the right way from Reuters. I don't think it's, hey, you know, the tightening lending up means that, you know, there's not another reason. No, I think what it is is Banks are now at the point where they're unwilling to lend. Yes. So should we have another 25 base point increase? Probably not. Are we going to get one? Probably yes. Yes. It's and an 88%, according to Bloomberg's World and Straight probability right. of that happening. Because which between, is now, pretty confident. between now and May 3rd, there's not enough time to go by to actually realize that maybe another 25 basis point hike isn't necessary. Remember, we've always said that Jerome Powell and all the FOMC members had been citing that 
they were more worried about not doing enough than mm -hmm. doing too little. So it, this all comes back to one central theory that I think we have all bought into, our, ourselves included, mm -hmm. without necessarily thinking about it. And Judy Shelton, who was the aforementioned Federal Reserve nominee who didn't actually get elected. Mm -hmm. According to a CNBC article, which I came across, she said the Fed should let the economy equilibrate, says former Fed uh, nominee Judy Sheldon. Mm -hmm. And she goes in to kind of explain why, but basically it boils down to one concept. And before we get into it and we play the clip, I want to ask you the question, why do we believe that employment is an inflationary trend? Like why does Fed monetary policy have to increase Fed, Fed funds, you know, target rate mm -hmm. just to have unemployment go up like is that is that necessarily like an inflationary trend or is that more of a monetary policy trend i think it's a it, it's a byproduct right that's kind of what we've always talked about that unemployment is is going to go up as a result of the of the rate hikes right and because of that it will impact inflation it'll reduce wages right wage inflation which will all ultimately decrease demand but does it have to does does it have to in order to battle inflation which is the core kind of mindset of the fed right now they're battling inflation i think so does I unemployment mean, have to go is, is it an inflationary cause or is that just if you increase rates right that comes down and maybe it's independent of inflation right have we ever battled inflation at this level with unemployment being this low these are historic lows for unemployment right they are, they are. yeah so i mean they probably view it as a necessity well before you get too far down the rabbit hole let's mm -hmm. see what uh, our friend judy shelton has to say about that arun mm -hmm. cue me baby uh, time for the central bank to stop raising rates. Joining us now is Judy Shelton, a former Federal Reserve Board nominee. She's currently a senior fellow at the Independent Institute. Uh, Judy, it's good to, good to have you on. And I've got to warn you that, that I'm kind of feeling um, half full. Uh, and I know normally I'm 100% full <laughs> of something, but I'm kind of feeling half full that maybe there's some type of, of fine uh, line the Fed can walk and, and we might get out of this. Um, in other words, inflation seems to be moderating. We're not going to 21.5% on the prime rate like we did, you know, back when people still bring that, that period up. And I don't know if there's any parallels at all. In the economy, you know, how many times have there been recession predictions where the, the economy just resists, resists the slowdown? Consumers resist that. And, and maybe that could happen this time around with inflation moderating. Am I just Pollyanna? No, I, I think there are reasons to be positive. If you have the lowest unemployment rate at 3.5% in, in history, and, um, and you have strong or at least consistent aggregate demand, and you're getting some economic growth, these are all good things. And I don't think that um, low unemployment is inflationary. I don't think real growth is inflationary. And I just wish that the Fed would let the economy equilibrate. I wish the Fed would quit trying to manhandle and steer the economy, because I think that it's, it's very positive when people are producing goods and providing services. And so for the Fed to be targeting a higher unemployment rate as their means to slow down growth and that that's their approach to fighting inflation, I think inflation's coming down in spite of the Fed, yeah. and I would rather they quit manhandling the economy. Right. 
All right, buddy. Well, hey, don't be sexist. Manhandling. Manhandling it. Jeez. All I almost right. choked I got... up when you said it. I was like, wow, what? Yeah, no, I see, I, I view this differently. I view this differently than she does, right? Because I see it more like if the Fed's seeing with all the tightening that they've done and we're still at an unemployment rate of 3.5%, it gives the Fed more confidence that they have more room to operate. Now, if unemployment started to really peak up and start to you know, cross over that 4.5%, range, let's say, because they were predicting unemployment to hit 4.6% by the end of this year. Let's say they had already met that threshold early. Mm-hmm. That would be cause for concern for the Fed to be like, whoa, whoa, okay, we, we messed up. We've got, we went too far. But look, so far, Q1, we're seeing positive GDP growth. So yes, there is some profitability, there's some compression in margins, right? Throughout corporations across the US, but people haven't really lost their jobs. So the Fed's probably thinking we have more room to operate. Which again, so that's kind of my point. So if that's the tr- if that's the case, right? Mm-hmm. And the Fed's looking at, you know what? We'll see where jobs go. We'll yeah. see where unemployment goes. Mm-hmm. And until unemployment blows up we know we're good yeah even if unemployment doubles that's seven percent man yeah that's not terrible five percent is the target I, yeah exactly that, that would healthy. be that would be less above than we are below yeah five percent you know what i mean, I mean yeah. so it's just it's crazy to me to think that this is the world that we're in right now and we have no real confidence in that there is a problem, number one, mm-hmm. and that we're solving it, number yes, two. exactly. That's weird. Yeah. It is weird. But it's interesting because this, what's, what's this guy's show? Squawk Box? Uh, CNBC Market Alert. Yeah, Squawk uh, Box. I think Squawk Box. Yeah, yeah Squawk but, Box. He, re- he also had Roger Ferguson on recently again, who was the former vice chairman of the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Um, so he actually served, unlike our girl here, Drew Wow. Shelton. Would you just big league her? I'm telling you. And you know what he said? Mm. He said he believes the Fed's going to go in for another 25 basis point and that is the right move. Well, I believe they are too. Uh, whether it's the right move or not, I would say it probably doesn't matter other than the fact that the market's already priced it in. So mm-hmm. there's no risk in doing it in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we're at the, point, at the point now where you need to hold after this. Mm-hmm. And this whole rhetoric of we're not going to cut rates during 2023, that should probably back, they should probably back off well, and save it. you know, they're talking about how inflation is, we're starting to see signs of it cooling. I mean, not against the, the gauge that the Fed likes to look at. Yeah. You know, that's gone up. That went up from 55 to 5.6%. Talk about core inflation. Core inflation. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking at that, and that's what the Fed likes to look at as their true gauge for inflation, then another 25 basis point is needed. Well, it's going to happen. Yeah. But needed or not, here's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Is that I, I think we've reached the point where the Fed needs to start talking about what happens after they start increasing rates. Yeah. Is it still through through 2023 with a cut in 2024? Because the market consensus doesn't believe that. That's that's what exactly. That's the part where I feel like it's it's gonna wake people up the most. So we know where you want jobs to be. You're not there yet. Right. Is that gonna be the the test for when you start cutting rates? Hmm. Because what if it doesn't get there? Because we do know, well, the jobs function of the Fed, that is a function of their job, right? It is, yeah, yeah. Unemployment, yeah. Unemployment. So they do have to monitor that. It's not like they can continue to raise rates and not care what happens to unemployment. No, they still have to make sure that that doesn't get out of hand. So if it, let's say it did double and it got to 7%, I think, yes, that is very, very worthy of, but here's, here's the thing. We know that's lagging. Very much so. 
But even now, if you look at it as a lagging indicator and you look at where all this shit is right now, yeah, unemployment, the last three prints have come down a little bit, but they've all been better than expected. Yeah, they, they met expectations, right? They met expectations. So the last one did. Yes. The, the two prior to that were probably beating expectations. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you look at all this stuff and you go, okay, well, it's trending the right way, mm-hmm. but it's not bad yet. So you're telling me all these increases we did, an unprecedented cadence of Fed interest mm-hmm. increases, and jobs are still printing at a healthy, like jobs are still available at a healthy rate, and unemployment right. is still three and a half percent. Right. After all that. Yeah. So then is holding rates going to continue to see this? Because I'm not seeing this spike up of, of unemployment. So let me tell you what also didn't help, what didn't help everybody out. Those bank earnings that came out last Friday, mm-hmm. they were great. That's not good, right? Yeah, but I always kind of knew this quarter would be good. We, we knew, but for people that are looking at data points, so I, I have the data on, the, on those earnings. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to do, and I didn't get the time to do it for the show. Mm. I wanted to do like a, like a little, like almost like game show style or, you know, name a bank and you guess whether the earnings were up or down. Oh, yeah. yeah that would have been, that would have been I, didn't, I didn't have time today to get yeah. all the data together, but I wanted to do like a bunch of them that came out. But yeah. So JP Morgan said profit was up 52% in, court, in Q1. Yeah. I wonder why. 52%. So $38.3 billion in revenues. Their shares actually rose 7.5%. They were the number one stock on the S&P 500. Yep. Wells up $5 billion. Citigroup up $4.6 billion. That's 4.8%. PNC Group up 1.7 billion. Mm-hmm. So these numbers, okay, great. Everyone's like a lot of people are complaining that look, the Fed's doing too much. The Fed needs to equilibrate, right? It's a hard word to say, right? I mean, you got to say each syllable it's, carefully. It's, it's a hard word to say. <laughs> yeah. Even she was struggling. Why did she use it? Now we all have to read it and shit. Yes, yeah, just... exactly. Not that fancy lady. Come on. To balance. Yeah. Just say that shit. Yeah, just say to balance, right? So. These are just more prints of data that makes the Fed feel like, okay, see, everyone complaining about, you know, the fast rate hike pace was too much. Your profit margins are still, have still, are still there for the, for the companies that, you know, they're in bed with. <laughs> I was wondering if we were going yeah, to yeah. come out with it. Well, those of, uh, of the banking sector who were not so lucky to be in bed with the Fed, mm-hmm. well, our, our buddy, Warren Buffet, billionaire investor Warren Buffett, might be one of the richest people on the planet, but it doesn't mean he's sympathizing with bank CEOs responsible for these collapses. I mean, yeah. This according to a, the Street article titled Warren Buffett doesn't hold back when asked about failed banks mm-hmm. and their executives. Yeah. So what does our little buddy say here? It says, during a conversation with Squawk Box, similar show, mm-hmm. Buffett said that at least... CEOs should be forced to turn over their retirement savings. I was like, damn, is that a lot? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe that's harsh. And then I thought about it. Mm-hmm. It's not harsh because when he goes on, he explains what he's comparing it to. All kinds of trouble was caused by the banks. Mm-hmm. But banks, bank executives all continue to live fine. They may have lost their job, but they got their pensions, Buffett says. They have got to be, there has got to be consequences for the people who make the decisions. Penalizing the shareholders later on by billions of dollars worth of fines, that doesn't deter the bad action. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's re- truly referring to a pension because, I mean, there's not a whole lot of pensions out there anymore. But what he's talking about is these executives get paid a lot of money. Yeah. 
a lot of bonuses. I think it was you that was, you know, talking about how um, the CEO of uh, Silicon Valley Bank was seen in Hawaii afterward. Oh, yeah. He's got a place in Hawaii. And people are taking photos. I'm like, what do you and want him to do? often worked in Hawaii. Yeah. And I guess to Warren Buffett's point is you eviscerated all of the market cap of the stock because it's a failed bank. Mm-hmm. And that all the shareholders are gone. Yeah. Now, granted, the people who generally hold the most shareholders are institutional investors and people inside the company who, you know, own that themselves, right? Right. Um, in aggregate, there's obviously retail investors and everybody else, but yeah, you wiped out a lot of money for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Should you have greater financial impacts yourself as an executive who failed? I'm posing the question. I don't, I don't know the answer. According to the system right now, mm-hmm. no. I know, but there is a lot of liability on the line for, for some of these execs. Some of these, some of the execs can wind up with the orange jumpsuit on. Oh, personal liable, hundred percent. And I, I do expect some to be. In orange yeah. jumpsuits. But usually, you know, in, in all the documentaries that you see, it's like one guy takes the fall for like everybody. And then goes to club fed, <laughs> plays a little bit of, you know, yeah. pickleball. Yeah. Gets out after playing pickleball. Mm-hmm. I found this article. You know, yeah. Sorry, sorry. go ahead, Odin. I found this article. Granted, it's a little old, but. Yeah. 134.1 million Wells Fargo CEO's retirement payout even bigger than thought. Jesus Christ. John Stumpf. Mm-hmm. You can walk from the bank with even more money than he could at the end of 2015, despite the $41 million clawback from his unvested stock he agreed to this week. The embattled bank CEO is still positioned to collect pension accounts and stock valued at, holy shit, $134.1 million if he were to retire, according to... What the shit? Is, am I working for the wrong company? What the hell's going on? Yes. Yeah, well, look... I, I, this you, is 2016, guys, by the way. Way to keep a relevant article. We're gonna, we're gonna. I'm, I, I give that. I, I know. I, I know. You just and, wanted to say ass in and, a sense. And, and these are the types of articles that give these guys a bad name. That give that make people think that you know the big, bad, greedy banks. But they're just playing by the rules. They're, this is part. Damn. This is part of the rule book, right? Yo, 134 million for a retirement plan. Like, I mean, can, can we not be that egregious, people? That's wild. It is wild. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I I'm, that's even shocking for me. I'm, I'm in, the, I'm in the business. But see, I, you know, community banks, regional banks, it's not like that. No, no. I guarantee you, Silicon Valley Bank CEO didn't have that. And I would say Wells Fargo, Chase, you know, B of A, they're not at risk of failure. So mm-hmm. they're they have pensions like this. Okay, fine. But regional community banks don't have that. But you know, that guy was definitely making a play because didn't he serve as a president for the for San Francisco Fed? Oh, Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. I don't, was he the president? I thought he was just on the board. I don't know. I think he. I, th- I thought it, maybe it was. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'm like, you know, eventually that was going to be the ultimate move for him. Next is what? Where else is he going to to a big box bank eventually? Maybe, man. Some of these guys never get there. Oh, what's going on, Chief? I'm yawning, bro. I, <laughs> fuck. Talking about these banks made you tired. I, I'm just looking at your face. Makes you tired all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I, I put in know, that I, work? First of all, I coughed early when you were talking. And I almost choked up, and then now this. It's just, <laughs> what's wrong with me? Yeah. Indiana University, uh, known for final CEO of Silicon Valley Bank prior to collapse in 2023. You do not want that under your bio, Gregory Becker. Good God, man. Mm -hmm. Becker grew up on his family's 300-acre farm in Fort Wayne, Indiana. His father ran a business supply company. He received a bachelor's degree in finance from the Kelly School of Business at Indiana University. His first job out of college was at a Comerica branch in Detroit. Initially, the bank's records erroneously showed that he held a master's of business administration. He corrected the error, but it opened up opportunities for him. So does, does Indiana University take down his picture? Like His but, manager offered him an opportunity to spend nine months working in the bank's branch in Pleasanton, California. Mm-hmm. Drawn by the weather, he stayed and worked 
at a small bank that Comerica had acquired in San Jose. Right. In 1993, Becker followed his manager to Silicon Valley Bank. One of the first deals as a loan officer there was to lend $350,000 to a company that would be acquired by Cisco for $100 million. In 1996, he opened up the bank's branch in Boulder, Colorado. Jeez, in 1999, he returned to Silicon Valley to found Silicon Valley Bank Capital, the group's venture capital fund management division. He rose to the ranks to become the bank's chief banking officer, chief operating officer, hey, hey, and in 2008, its president. Yeah. Odin, thank you. Stop reading Jesus. No, I thought it was an interesting bio. You thought it was an interesting bio? Really? Wait, am I, are, we, are, we like, are we not on the team spirit today? No. Arun's upset because well, he, he dropped the ball on the last you show. Take, You're over here making fun you said, of me. You, you, you said, wait, who dropped the ball on this show? Oh, wow. Wow. Are you... I left I in subordination amongst the ranks. I left the ranks. card at home. I did because <laughs> I was working on your new intro, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you work on an intro? Oh, yeah, that's Chris, right. You can't edit. Chris has Chris has, has been putting in a lot of overtime. OT, oh, baby. That's why I'm yawning. That's why I'm coughing. Yeah. My hair's twerking. Twerking. <laughs> exactly. Trying to lose that body fat before mind pump. So Man, um, Adam's getting shredded and more shredded. It's, it's really discouraging. I saw it on his stories the other day. His forearms looking all ripped up and shit. That sucks. Asshole. So he's probably big. masturbating a lot. That's what it is. <laughs> It's, it's not fair, don't, bro. Yeah, don't he, do that. He's, looking, he's, so, he's so shredded. It's like, and he's like, I'm not even counting macros yet. <laughs> right. I'm like, you bastard. Right. So we know that the corporate sector has been sitting on a lot of good, healthy margins, right? When prices rise faster than wages, then revenues rise faster than your costs. Okay. Therefore, corporations had some room to absorb some rising labor costs and market com- compression. This is why I feel like another 25 basis points is needed because the sentiment out there is still this whole time they've been they've been considering they're going to stop at 5%. They need to hit that inflection point where people everyone there's a They consen- are at 5%. Yeah. No, but they need to hit that inflection point where the consensus amongst everyone is all right, finally they're going to stop and then they yeah. say nope, one more. I get it cuz what? They need to do that. They, they, they don't need to do it. This is this is the bullshit lo- like logical fallacy that people are buying into. It pisses me off to no end. Mm-hmm. The fact okay, we priced it in the market, fine. You don't want to damage the market. Okay, take that. But the fact that you they're, they're going to say, you know what? We told people we're you know this is where we're going to go to. And we have to go to it to honor our commitment. No, you're supposed to be data driven. Mm-hmm. If the consensus by the people is you shouldn't, you don't need to okay. do this. That's data too, man. What? That's not the data points that they're citing though. Okay, that they're, that fuck they're, they're citing. If everybody feels that's, <laughs> I know. Trust I mean, me. Trust me. At I what get point it. do you do you say, okay, you know what? This was the plan. Mm-hmm. It's all good. We're going to deviate now because this probably isn't 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 what we want. Right. At what point do you do you like look at more than the data? I don't care if unemployment ends the year at four point six percent, which I think might be a stretch. You'd have to have a lot happen that hasn't happened mm-hmm. in the last year between now. That's what we know. We know. We April said, and December. We said Q2 and Q3 of this year is going to be a shit show. We did. So you think between now and December, there's going to be just a shit ton more layoffs? Yeah, We've well, seen the layoffs, the thing, dude. But what's going to cause the shit show? Another interest rate hike. That's no, the thing. I don't think so. I, I disagree. You think, you think if they hold, there'll still be a shit show? Yeah. I, no, I don't think there's... I don't know that there's a shit show on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Real estate values need to come down. Mm-hmm. When the fuck are they coming down? People, you know, many people hit me up in the DMs every single day saying, "Hey, man, you said July, bro. Home values in my area aren't going down." And there's some areas where they're not. Mm-hmm. I, I, I respect them. There's some areas where they absolutely are. Right. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different markets out there, and a lot of a lot of different impacts to real, different real estate economies. And certainly, 
the major metropolitan areas that have this exodus due to work from home, that's still impactful. Mm -hmm. the, the people that are building are still impactful. There's a lot out there. But what I'm saying is, is all the things we've done, all the things we've done so far, mm -hmm. and we still don't have a recession, what's going what's gonna to kick it off? It's not going to be the next 25 basis point increase. Mm -hmm. Whatever kicks it off next is already out there. It's going to happen. Or it won't happen. No, that's here's here's the thing. Okay, everyone is betting on there to be a reduction in rates, right? By July, if not by September at the least. Okay, but that, that's the part that blows me away. Then my question to them is what what the fuck do you think happens that they feel comfortable lowering rates? Right. Exactly. Why would they? What right? what what is what is the data driven point they're gonna point to? I have no idea why people are betting on this, especially when all they've said is we're holding. We're holding until the end of the year, at the bare minimum. Because and we haven't seen an we've seen financial instability, right? But nothing has officially broken. Based on based on what they're saying, based on what they're saying is the banks right now that have failed. We read the minutes. We read the Fed minutes. Yeah, I know. they had poor risk management decisions. I, I absolutely disagree with that. I, I believe that they took riskier investments. Sure. Yes. But what drove them to failure? I know. Was not that. I agree. But we're, but that's my point. They're citing something else. So we're just, they're giving you the rationale behind their decisions, whether it's true or not. They're saying, this is the reason why. Making it, giving them room to operate even more. No, we're going to do it again. Well, I mean, look, again, 25 base points, foregone conclusion. But yeah. my bigger, my bigger vision at this point in time is, is what's going to be the breaking point? What, what, I mean, if it was going to be failed banks, we haven't seen one yet. Right. I think everybody's afraid there might be one on the horizon. Okay, whatever. I mm -hmm. get that. But what's going to be the catalyst? What's going to bring home values down? Something. Like, what's going to bring unemployment more? I mean, farther up than it's gone. Something, dude. Something is going to have to break. Yeah, I, then what are we all betting on right now? I don't know. What, this is what we said. There's too much uncertainty. We don't know, bro. We we've talked about it. Certain sectors are more interest rate sensitive. And like you said, we're anticipating what you thought, what you predicted was a rolling recession. I still do. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to go through sector by sector. So once rates officially stop, right, and things start to stabilize, I believe, I think if they do, and let's say banks make it through through then. I think the banking sector stabilizes. Yes. But I think the consumer sector just gets hammered. Oh, yeah. 100%. We've already talked, we've talked about, you, you want to bring up these credit card, this credit card debt, like, the pain is not in the raising of the rates like we mentioned. The pain is in the hold. Well, credit card debt climbed to a historic high at the end of the year. This according to a Market Watch article titled Credit Card Balances Have Hit Historic Highs. Here's what that says about consumers' finances. Spoiler alert, they're fucked. Not good. That's what they're saying about consumer Done. finances. Yeah. See ya. And then Apple thought, yay, we'll step in. So <laughs> that's according to new data from the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, mm. which adds to earlier reports of record-smashing balances in 2022's final quarter. Right. And they're one of 12 Federal Reserve banks, yeah. for all those who want to keep track. And one of their key functions is data. Yes. Credit card balances reached nearly $765 billion in the fourth quarter, up by more than $100 billion from about $648 billion mm. during the same period in 2021, Philadelphia Fed reported earlier this week. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's a problem, folks. Not good. Yeah, non-household debt was already at massive highs. Yep. 
And, you know, student loan debt, all-time highs. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, when was the last time you heard about student loan forgiveness? Yeah. Where did that go, everybody? Huh? Yeah, it's still still tied up in the courts. What's the what's the uh, Supreme Court dealing with right now? They're still dealing with, uh, like, abortion? What are they working on right now? Uh, I think abortion is one of the things they're working on. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm having, You heard I'm that all over the news, and then, yeah. poof, gone. Yeah, well, I know. They've been on they've been on pause for I think through June. For now. It doesn't gonna, matter. They're just gonna extend it again. No one in the media's reporting on it. You wanna know why they, you know they're doing There's that? There's nothing right to report they're, on. They're like, nah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. We know that. Right. So then you have credit card balances which have now shot up to historic highs. Okay. People mm -hmm. were getting paid in some cases more to not work than they were to work. Those who were low wage earners who were on unemployment were getting paid that plus stimulus. Mm -hmm. They're making a lot of money. Right. A lot of that money went into savings. A lot of that money went into consumer spending. And a lot of it went into bad habits over years of that money trickling out of the system. Right. Combine that with quantitative tightening, which is the Fed's way of pulling money out of the system. Mm -hmm. And and now, which frankly, I think is is wage declines. Mm -hmm. I think we're starting to see a little bit of that as well. And you got a problem. You got a recipe for disaster because unemployment peaks up. Mm -hmm. This blows up. Oh, yeah. This blows up out of control. And these rates we already know are are really high. I think they're... The average rate on a credit card now is like above 20%. Now, if you were smart and prudent mm -hmm. and you refinanced your home or bought a home when interest rates are low and you have super high credit card debt, mm -hmm. how are you going to get the money out of your house? Yeah. Home equity line of credit? Mm, There's a little problem. A lot of banks now won't go in a second trustee behind somebody else's first trustee. Yeah. And on top of that, too, don't, don't they underwrite those to the Wall Street Journal Prime? Yeah, they're adjustable. Yeah. yeah, they're adjustable. Well, they're not always Wall Street Prime, but it's an index plus margin, it's so it's an, adjustable yeah, it's pricing. An index yeah. plus margin. So um, I, the average credit card interest rate, according to Arun's, uh, pulled up here. What is this from? Creditcards.com. Sounds <laughs> reliable. Bank rate twenty point five nine percent. That was him trying to fact check me. God damn, that's that's high. Yeah. I was just trying to prove you're right. Yeah, damn. thanks, thanks. I was, no, I was saying fact check me to, to prove that I'm right. It's not it doesn't have a negative connotation to it. It kind of sounded like you did. Arun? <laughs> it did. It did. But, so I did. I did it. Yeah, did you a little arrogant with the fact check. Wow. Here. We all going to war. We're, we are very ornery tonight. Honestly, yeah. Let's go right now. Yeah, take your shirts off. Let's, let's all take our shirts off. <laughs> <and just see. laughs> We're right here. <laughs> so, uh, beat you to it. Rue, why are you pushing nipple up against the window, man? It's awkward. <laughs> so, Stop it. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I did a little. Oh, I got a funny story that I should not share. Really? I'll share right after right after my <laughs> my little deep dive on this. So the Wall Street Journal did a deep dive on Americans in their thirties are racking up. Uh, debt is at a historic pace. Mm -hmm. So uh, millennials, meaning people born from 1980 to the early 2000s, Chris barely made the cut. Uh, total credit. I've just had to. Why? You got it. Why? <laughs> I'm saying you're a millennial, bro. Come Damn on. It. Oh yeah. So uh, I'm total not proud of that. <laughs> total credit card balances rose 27 percent over three years before the pandemic. They're now at 3.8 trillion dollars in Q4 for millennials. The rate at which Americans in their 30s are taking on debt is higher than any other generation. Average credit card balance for millennials rose to $6,750 in January. Balances didn't change for Gen X, and for the older generations, it actually fell. So it's it's yeah. it's targeting. It's your fault. Well, no, it, it's not my fault. It's Apple's fault. Tim <laughs> yeah. Cook's fucking us all. <laughs> exactly. And I can see it. Yeah, Tim I've seen it a mile away. Yeah. That's not a segue. We'll get there when we get there. I don't, I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I'm, I want to keep alluding to this. So those yeah. of you who are in listener land, who took the liberty of leaving us an honest five-star review. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, A. And mm -hmm. B, we want to keep you engaged in the show. Right. We want to keep you listening in because you want to you hear how Tim Cook, the Kraken, and fucking us all is all relevant. Yeah. <laughs> 
to one story. <laughs> totally, yeah, exactly. So stay tuned, friends. Yeah. It's in here somewhere. And I'm not going to tell you where it's at because I've gotten a review where someone said, I'll just skip to that, that part of the show. Yeah. No, you won't. No, you won't. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to just listen in. Exactly. Old school style. Right. So if you look at this chart, we're going to pull up the, the one on the left there, total outstanding credit card balances, 1999 to present. If you look there, so it says, so the, it peaked in 07, 04. So what is that? Uh, July, oh, nah, it's Q1. So 07, mm-hmm. 2007, Q1. It peaked all the way through, call it 09, Q2. It started to come down. Mm-hmm. So that was a recession, right? It peaked. Now we have one here in uh, 2018. Or what the hell's going on here? Yeah, 2018? It's Q2 all the way through 2019 Q1. Looks like there was a little bit of peak there. I think that's probably COVID stimulus and spending. Then it dropped. Mm-hmm. It dropped pretty pretty significantly through uh, 21 Q2. Yeah, and then inflation hit. And then inflation hit. And then now, boom. So to me, this says, well, first of all, it's the highest number it's ever been at, number one. Right. Number two, it says to me that inflation was clearly outpacing the wages. And in order to keep up with the spending habits, people had two choices. Stop spending so much and save and be conservative. Right. Or put it on credit cards. Right. If wages were if wages were going up four percent, but in, inflation was up, you know, nine point one percent in June, think about how are you gonna make up the difference? And uh Arun would like me to cite the chart, oh. but he spelled it S I T E the chart. I was trying to do it real quick. Yeah. Oh, I was trying to do it real quick. You want Wait. me to C I T E the chart. <laughs> Why'd you have to call <laughs> <laughs> That's such a dick move. Because we're, we're, we're out here for blood tonight, bro. This is blood sport. <laughs> All right, wrote it out real quick. Put it on the screen. Yeah. It off. It's, you know, Sight. Yeah, this isn't open his first time. Too. It's he, double he, entendre, he, though. He, it's he, from he, LendingTree.com. That is the no, web no. site. That's the website, but the source is the New York Fed. Yeah, but it's on LendingTree.com. Wow. Yeah. No, he said site, S-I-T-E. So he, see how he jumped on my Not team? C-I-T-E. That's the on? site, not the site. <laughs> oh, you are. <laughs> yeah. I see what you did there. Jesus, man. Nice. Keep up with the acronyms around here, bruh. Yeah. Okay, so I'm doing all this research, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know what? There's a lot going on out there. Let me see what's going on with some banks. And I run across an article, which the picture of this article was a man, probably mid-50s. Mm-hmm. In what looks like a vault, in clearly an all analog room. There's an analog clock above him. There's a typewriter on the desk. There's clear. There's no computer anywhere. Right. Anywhere in this thing. And I thought, think about the world's smallest vault. (laughs) Yeah, it's not that small. It's it looks it looks tight. This guy looks tight. It's petite, I believe. So the title of the article from Business Week is "No ATMs, No Fees, and a 103 Year Old Vault." Inside America's smallest bank. So reading from the article, Rune, where you're at right now, keep up with me with $3 million in assets, Kent Land Federal Savings and Loan is definitely the smallest member of the Independent Community Bankers of America, ICBA, a trade organization for small banks or petite banks, if you will. Mm -hmm. And when, I'm sorry, well, you moved it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, turn right for a second. Beyond its size, Kentland, uh, Kentland Federal Savings and Loan is unusual in other ways. It has one location in Kentland, Indiana, population 1,641, no ATMs and no website. There are basically two things you can do as a customer of the bank. One, obtain a home mortgage, mm-hmm. or two, open a savings account or CD. It's simple. Yeah. And when you do either, it will all be quite literally paperwork. James A. Sammons. 
Samons. Samons. The fourth generation of his family to run the 100-plus-year-old savings and loan and its only full-time employee. Only. Only. Yeah, keeping labor costs low. Confides he's a bit of a, he's a bit tech-adverse. Computers, is a quote, are great when they work, (laughs) says the 55-year-old laughing. I don't have the patience for them. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have the patience to make your life easier. That's funny. If you're 55 years old. Yeah. You grew up in the era of the internet, computers. Yeah, you. Yeah, you had the mobile resources. phones. Right. Is this really the guy you want get, to get a mortgage from? Right. Just, I can't, what if I he know. dies? <laughs> what, are you, what are you gonna do? What's your backup plan? There's not another right. full time employee. Yeah, they all gotta take a life insurance policy on this guy. Everyone's like, let's kill this motherfucker, and then nobody will pay anybody anything <laughs> yeah. back. Done. Game no over. No one's gonna know. Yeah. Yeah. This dude's definitely getting taken out. The only full-time employee is crazy to me. The only full-time employee. This dude's responsible for all the mortgages in the area for sure. Yeah. And he's literally operating in full analog. That's... You want to hear something funny? Wait, uh-huh. His bank didn't fail. <laughs> fail? Didn't fail. Yeah. Still going. Mm. Can you imagine going in and trying to audit this dude? This is in Indiana, too. Population 1,600 people. 1,641, so, yeah. That's so insane. Dude, one time, uh, this reminds me of a, a trip we made to, I was in, uh, did, where was that? We were in Chicago. Oh, a room with the photo. Yeah, that dude does not look like he uses a computer. Dude, he's got a legal pad. It's yeah. like dirty as shit and three photos of his prior family. Mind you, all three of those photos, the dudes are wearing ties and they're very well dressed. Mm. And then you got this hobo here looking dude. Huh. Mm. Or who's laughing in the room? I get your <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this, this reminds me of a time, because this is the only time I've ever been to Indiana. My wife and I went to Chicago. And Chicago! Loved it. One of, my favorite, one of my favorite cities in the U.S., right? But we're so close to Detroit, and at, at the time, a friend of ours was going to, um, I had his residency out in Detroit. We're like, hey, let's cut our, our trip to Chicago short, and let's drive over to Detroit and pay him a visit, just for one day. He'll really appreciate it. So, we make the drive over there. On the way, we had to pass through Indiana, okay? And uh, one of us had to use the restroom, and we stop at Gary, Indiana. Okay? Oh, yeah, basketball. Right? Well, listen, I had no idea what to expect, okay? We get off, and I'm like, this does not look safe. Let's look for a Starbucks, okay? We'll use Why a, is Starbucks we'll a universal use, place to go to the bathroom? We'll just use it's It's probably clean. It's safe. Like, we'll just, we'll just go there. Okay. Can't find a Starbucks. You're in Gary, Indiana, bro. Gary, Indiana. I had no idea, bro. Support never, small business, I, man. I, I, I'd never been there before. No, bro. So then I look, we go. <laughs> yeah. That's what, Holy that's what, shit. that's what Gary, Indiana looked Gary, like. Gary, Indiana, the title of this is the USA's most dangerous city. Yes. What I actually saw. Okay. Holy so shit. So we're, that we're looks there. Scary. So you, you got to the punchline before I got there. Thanks. So Daddy's talking. We, we go, we, we stop. The first thing we see is a McDonald's. We stop at McDonald's and, and and then my wife on the way, she says, hey, uh, you sure this is safe to go here? She's the one that really had to use the restroom. So I had to, I was trying to calm her down. Like, yeah, no, this is fine. It reminds me of just like the city I grew up in Los Angeles. Don't worry about it. We're good. I'm just trying to calm her down. Don't worry. We're good. We're good. So you're lying to your wife I'm about lying. her safety? Just, just to make her feel calm and collected, right? This, this seems very irresponsible. She goes. She, bad husband. She goes. <laughs> terrible husband. She goes, she, goes to the rest, she goes to the restroom. And while she's in the restroom, I look up crime rate in Gary, Indiana. Just to see. why would you do that? It was You're wor- already there. It you was can't the, change. It, it was the worst decision. It was a terrible decision. Uh, it was. It was like. 
like at the time it was like a two out of a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> like the higher the number, the safer the safer the city is. I was like, she got out. I was like, we gotta go. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I was. But scared. she didn't die. No, nah, she didn't die. And Did we... anybody offer her a crack in the restroom? <laughs> no, no. Okay, she, you're good. You're a good time. Yeah, yeah. it's a good time. Yeah, not not exactly the best place in the world to be. I'm sure. No. Um, Arun, I can't tell what's next because you're not you're not scrolling. Yeah. And uh, this is awkward. An awkward pause right now for the show. Everybody has mm. to listen to you uh, not scrolling. Hey, there's the next article. All right. The meat of the show. The meat. I got invested in Gary, Indiana. You did get invested in Michael Gary, Michael Jackson's yeah. from there. Yeah, I saw that. The Jackson Five. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a better man and not make the jokes you guys think I'm gonna make. Here. <laughs> All right. So this ruined my day. I Tim think it ruined everybody's. Tim day. Cook woke up and chose violence. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Apple launches its savings account with a 4.15 percent interest rate. Mm. Uh, my my uh, article uh, quote in the show notes. There goes the neighborhood. Yeah, it's true. So the good news is, is if you sign up for a credit card, their cashback points can go to the savings accounts that you choose to open. You can obviously add in more money and a four point one five percent interest rate. It isn't the best rate. It's I think it's number eleven today on market rate when I checked mm-hmm. as far as top savings rates in the country. I mean, it's still pretty damn good though. Yeah. They partnered up with Goldman, and Goldman has like uh, you know partnerships with other institutions that are are offering less. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it's Apple. They got brand name. They got cachet, man. Yeah, trusted. Apple's like, oh, the banking sector's weak. Fuck them. Let's go in for the kill. Release the kraken. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, they had saw blood in the water. Yeah, kill them all. Yeah, peasants. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Cook is not playing. Especially, I think, what was it? The CFO of uh, of uh, J.P. Morgan. Said that there's about fifty billion in deposit inflows that they saw. Fifty billion. Bro, he's trying to piss me off. So what? what I know now, what you're doing now. Every you're, you're, you're trying to poke the bear. Now everyone. Now everyone's gonna be like, okay, well, fuck out. We're gonna inflow it right to Apple. I mean, that, first of all, the rate is a good rate, relatively speaking. Number one. Yeah. Number two, if you have their card, here here's the beauty of this. It's so goddamn easy. If you have their card, you hit one button. Well, well you need to have the card. You need to have the card. But you put one button and you open up a savings account. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's only accessible like through your wallet, your Apple wallet on your iPhone. Yeah, which, first of all, they got in the buy now, pay later. Mm-hmm. Vultures, bastards that they are. Now they're getting the savings. At this point, if, if Apple becomes their own bank. Yeah, the government's going to have to come in and chop this thing I mean, up. stop it. Yeah. Someone, someone killed Tim Cook. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is not fair. Stop it. Don't say that. This that is not a, fair. That, yeah, this is entertainment purposes only. Yeah, entertainment purposes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's, it's getting to the point now where Apple's taking over. Yeah. No, the government's going to step in. And I'm in the ecosystem. This, I'm an Apple is, guy. Is, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big Apple guy. And damn. Apple all the way. All the way. Except you have to use the Mac. Yeah, you can't use a Mac at work. I do. Well, it's because you, you, you're too cheap and won't give me one. I'm not too cheap. It doesn't do me. Yes, it is. It has everything. You could give me a. You can't plug in the ecosystem that way. Let me get it. Come on. I can't wait so you can do your job like this. Hey, uh, Microsoft, uh, <laughs> run the debt service coverage ratio on that. Oh, God, it was a long day. <laughs> it was too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was too much. I had to underwrite. Yeah. I had to ask Microsoft three times to underwrite loans yeah, for me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Please submit this deal to Christopher. Yeah. So I was on television. I was on television. I was watching television today. You're on- pissed off about Tim Cook. And then all sorts of information came up about Redfin's latest data, which came out about mar- rental market tracker in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Basically, rents uh, post first year annual declines. Go back up to the to the to the previous story, Arun. You were all over the place today. No more no more Red Bull for you. Okay. Mm. So the original 
data that kind of pushed me down the rabbit hole with this was uh, a quote from what's lowering rents first annual decline since 2020. This was on CNBC. I was watching it midday. They're talking about rents post first annual decline in three years, according to Redfin. Mm -hmm. It said post pandemic housing surplus, inflation, rising unemployment and recession fears are effectively lowering rents. And they threw out a, a quote that I wrote down immediately. Okay. With a million mostly high-end multifamily units coming online this year, we can expect to see some impacts to rents above these four things mm-hmm. that they already quoted. This is the most since the 1980s of multifamily units coming online. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, home builders have had over 30% of the listings market. Yes. In a normal healthy economy, it's about 10%. Crazy. So it just shows you there, there is clearly some red flags flashing as it relates to rents, mm-hmm. which this is, this is good for inflation, by the way. Right. This is, this is the right thing, rent and rental equivalent going down. Now, is this going to be the catalyst for home values coming down now? If, if it's cheaper to rent well, than it is to buy? So you know I, mean? we, I, I saw you posted this, and um, I actually found the video online too, and they, they talk about how um, the report from Redfin is skewed more towards higher-end, professionally-managed multifamily properties. That is correct, sir. But, but what they're still seeing is high uh, rental rates for single-family homes. Yes, yes. Yeah, which, so that, that's still as increased. a guy who owns mostly single family homes, I'm like ching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right move. So that's still and up. rents in the Midwest and prices in the Midwest are holding up. Right. Oh, they are okay. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact that was also in the Redfin data. So you know, single family rents are still up five percent year over year. Yes, this sir. Is, this is primarily in the multifamily multifamily space. Morgan Stanley Capital International estimated in February that apartment building prices had fallen on average 8.7% year over year. Mm-hmm. And in April, Green Street estimated they declined by 21% from a year ago. Yeah. So that's because if you know rents are coming down, then the properties aren't cash flowing as much. You're not getting as much of a return. And that's part of the CRE concerns that you're hearing in the market. I don't know that it's so impactful in areas that were limited by rent control. So mm-hmm. like in rent control areas, you, you couldn't get the increase or the decrease in values because it was just so hard. Mm-hmm. Hard to get tenants out, hard to get tenants in. It's just, it's very difficult. But meanwhile, the median U.S. asking rent fell 0.4% year over year to $1,937 in March. This mm-hmm. according to Redfin's article. That's the first annual decline since March of 2020 when the coronavirus was declared a pandemic and the lowest median asking rent in 13 months. By comparison, rents were up 17.5% one year earlier in March of 2022. So yeah. clearly a, a significant swing, at least in one sector. Right. I think we see you know, rent and rent equivalents uh, really you know, start to take form by July and August to help out that inflation figure, right? But that's going to be a rolling effect. Is it the rolling recession that we're talking about? Maybe, yeah. Is this what we're um, doing here? Yeah, no, but I'm just saying we know rents are coming down. I don't, I don't see that impacting housing because inventory is still ridiculously low, right? In order for prices to come down, there's going to need to be a flood of inventory. No, no, no. You don't think so? No, I think if lending dries up, mm-hmm. right, and credit tightening does happen, yeah, it's the affordability issue. It is the affordability, and that and that's already starting to take form. But for it to really get down another fifteen to twenty percent as quick, I mean, quickly, I don't know. But here's the problem, okay? It's dual-edged sword. Number one, if you can't buy mm-hmm. because it's hard to get loans, 
and there's not a lot of inventory out there and you know that. Yeah. Generally, you're not going to sell your property to go buy something else. Exactly. So something's going to need to happen. So there's a stalemate here. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the thing that breaks down to cause the stalemate to move? Could it be credit card debt? I, I think it'd be, you know, consumer household debt, right? When people can't, you know, afford to pay their bills, they're going to have to sell their sell their homes eventually before they, you know, lose their home. Right? So we are, we've talked about it before in the past. You know, what was it? A, a certain percentage of people didn't have $400 in their savings account. Yeah. You yeah. know, and with credit card debt being The this, overall majority of people, ironically. Yeah. Like so, two-thirds. So I think, and, and we talked about it, at the time, the numbers weren't significantly high and alarming. But what we were, what was alarming was the rate of delinquencies. The rate of- You go back to like November of last year and Brian Moynihan's like, you know, the consumer's in great shape. You got yeah. a lot of runway out there. No. They're no. good. Right. So I think that's what we uh, we all need to like focus on and, you know, pay attention to those reports. I had an interesting stat, though, from uh, the Mortgage uh, Bankers Association. So typical mortgage lenders on average in 2021 made approximately $2,339 per loan they made. You know what that number was in 2022? No idea. They lost about $300 per loan. Really? Per loan. Interesting. Man. So that's and that's a good example of why banking institution institutions are going to, you know, tie up lending practices and their guidelines mm. because they're not going to be taking losses anymore. No, well they can't afford to. Right. At this particular juncture in the banking sector, if you're already tied on capital, mm-hmm. if you have loan losses, you go under. Yeah. That's what happens. Yes. So, you know, stuff like that, that's going to be concerning. But I don't think you I mean, again, all these things take time. Mm-hmm. People want to see these things happen and they see all this rhetoric and these conversations and they want to see it happen, but it, it just takes, it takes time. Right. And then what will really be interesting to me too is for, from a banking perspective, when you grade a loan, right? Oh, uh, risk, risk, risk grading. Yeah. Risk grading a loan, you know, when it's, you know, two or three, right? Mm-hmm. Once it hits four, it becomes like what a watch, right? So typically banks have a scale of one to nine is mm-hmm. kind of their risk rating system. Yes. Um, and this is not an absolute thing, but this is the most common thing, right? One to four is your performing assets, mm-hmm. right? And it's usually like, you know, one being no risk of loss and four being there's an acceptable risk of loss, mm-hmm. three being satisfactory, you know, stuff like that. Yes. Uh, five is typically your watch graded credit, right? Where it's not a bad credit. It's not classified. It's, it's not like a, I think for accounting purposes, mm-hmm. it's not something you have to reserve capital against or plan for losses so on. You're inching closer to that. But you're watching it, right? Yeah. And then it goes into substan- or special mention after that, right? Yeah. Special mention uh, would be your six. Um, seven would be your substandard. So when it starts to go into special mention, so what I'm interested to see. Eight is doubtful and nine is loss. Nine is loss, right? What I'm interested to see is, typically speaking, it, it's a really bad look for banks if a loan you did in the last year starts to go into that, into that, right? Well, especially if it goes into watch or classified assets. Yes. And these are really more accounting terms that banks are responsible for, for knowing. Right. So, and each carry additional reserves against so it. So I'd be interested in seeing, because we know that, like, just look at some of these apartment buildings, mm-hmm. right? That if they were financed like a year ago, and if a lot of institutions now are seeing that they got to start moving these loans, 
so in, you, into like a watch list. That's a scary, scary function. Scary. You, see, you remember that, that I talked in the last show about how there were 3,200 units in Texas that went into foreclosure, and I'm like, something, something went wrong there. Yes. Well, the article that Saeed's trying to segue to and doing it as gracefully as he always does mm. is a Yahoo article that I pulled up, which I think really speaks to how that happened. Yeah. Right? Landlords pumped billions into apartment buildings during the pandemic. That bet could now go horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. This I found on Yahoo Finance by sheer happenstance and kind of looking into what happened in that particular scenario where 3,200 units already getting foreclosed on in Texas. Yeah. So from the article directly, bear with me here. These kinds of optimistic projections became increasingly necessary in the booming markets of 2021 and 2022 when investors grew, was it voraciously? Voracious. Voracious. Mm -hmm. For apartment building uh, acquisitions, boosting competition and prices. So everybody's out there trying to buy. Yes. People want to buy no matter what was going on. In California, we saw cap rates, which is our capitalization rate, which mm -hmm. is effectively a, compare, a way to compare similar assets in different, different types. Yes. They were dropping below 2% to like 1%. Right. And another thing people to keep in mind too is sometimes for a, a lot of these big players too, if there's like, uh, like 1031 exchange money that's mm -hmm. in, when they sell when they sell their properties and it goes into a 1031 exchange if they mm -hmm. buy a like property or greater right mm -hmm. it prevents them from having to pay you know certain taxes right yeah capital gains yeah capital gains yeah. on on the sale of their last property so they might be up against the clock too and almost forcing them into buying a property at a premium and a lot of them did yeah a lot of them did but here you, we got, there was like an inflection point about a year and a half two years ago where it was clear that the cap rate mm -hmm. was lower than the rate you were being charged on the loan which meant that the lender who gave you like a 4% rate at the time or a 3.5% rate and you had a property with a 2% cap capitalization rate, mm -hmm. that lender was making more money on that property than you were. Exactly. Because okay. more of the money was going to pay down the mortgage than it's going in your pocket. Yes. 3.5 versus 2%, mm -hmm. right? So there was clearly a lot of this voracious appetite building up prices and pushing things up. Mm -hmm. In those years, investors purchased $355.5 billion and $299.2 billion worth of apartment buildings, that in 21 and 2022, according to MSCI. Unprecedented sums that far surpassed the previous $194 billion record of multifamily sales in 2019. So you had a record in 2019. You had a normal year in 2020, it seems like. Mm -hmm. In 2021 and 2022, new record years yeah you had to see that this was this was kind of peaking a little bit right yeah and here's a quote again from the same article to win a deal in that hyper competitive market investors needed to make ambitious predictions on how they could grow rents and control expenses said will matthews a multifamily investment sales broker at colliers what they found is that rents have plateaued or had even come down in some markets and expenses have skyrocketed yeah. Man. So what we saw in some of these hyper competitive markets, and we, at least in our in our professional lives, refused to do the same because we found it to be very very dangerous, is people were underwriting to pro forma rents, rents they thought they could gain. Right. Some in many cases, which is a very dangerous game above market. Now conservative underwriting would say the lower of market or in place rents. Mm -hmm. Right. What's market at the time or in place, and if yes. you were above that, you don't get that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So. There's a conservative way of doing it. Some people were saying, and I saw this in Texas a lot, we're going to put in a dog park and we're going to upgrade this loan and we're going to right. make it, you know, it's going to be great. So blah, let's, blah. let's, let's, I guess, break that down a little bit more for people who maybe aren't 
don't understand this process as much. If they're if they're buying if they're buying a property and let's just say it's um they the the previous owner had some tenants that you know were relocating they paid them to relocate so that they could renovate the unit so that they could potentially get more of a market rent mm-hmm. for a newly you know renovated unit and let's now they're selling the property and those units are vacant let's say half the units are vacant right some of these lenders are, were were underwriting to pro forma rents on what they think they will get yeah or an as stabilized as completed of whatever proposed change they're yeah, making because all, so many other apartment complexes in the community are you know achieving that rent yeah but there's a problem with that the market takes a turn or people aren't can't pay that rent anymore or you know there's something like a pandemic mm-hmm. right what are you going to do when now you've already made that loan and the rents that do get in place can't service your debt this is this is exactly the example i was trying to give you like a year ago, somebody made that loan, and yeah. now they got to put that on a watch. Yeah, and that, that's a problem. And that, that's where I think largely, and this is the sad part about banking in general and just underwriting, mm-hmm. a lot of talking heads on television and a lot of people who are analysts think they know how to do this, and they lump everybody together like, oh, my God, these 3,200 units in Texas, they, they, they got foreclosed on. It's the beginning of a cra-. No, man, those were... Those were clearly underwritten poorly. Right. Okay. And there's no other way to put it. Right. If they defaulted in that time frame, mm-hmm. somebody did something wrong. And I, I can guarantee you, without even looking at the details, right. it was a pro forma situation. We're going to go in, we're going to improve this. And there was a lot of bridge lending too. It wasn't right. just stabilized properties. Yeah. People who were saying, okay, I'm going to buy this property, but I need to do X, Y, and Z in order to get it to where I can get a stabilized loan in order to get the cash flow to where it needs to be. Yes. I'm going to do things like, at a fitness center, at a dog park, and upgrade the interiors. People are going to be willing to pay for it. Except here's the problem, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're a consumer right now and you're not a homeowner, mm-hmm. and your choice is to rent, yes, and you need a two-bedroom, two-bath, like you just said earlier, most of the units coming online are high-end properties. Yes. Because consumers are willing to pay for that. Right. They were willing to pay for it two years ago, 18 to 24 months. That's usually when these multifamilies get built. That's about the time frame. Mm-hmm. So these loans are, that were started... 18, 24 months ago when everybody was frothy, baby. Yeah. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Money, 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 money. money. I got tons of money in my pocket. Mmm, yeah, 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 yeah. Mmm, yum, 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 yum. Coronavirus. Mmm, yum, yum, yum. Stimmies. Mmm, yum, 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 yum. <laughs> right? And everybody had that money in the pocket. And Brian Moynihan's like, hey, man. Consumer's in great shape, man. Everything's amazing, man. Yeah. Also yeah. hard, man. Also hard. And um, people, so people are like, this is going to be a great idea. Yeah. People are willing to pay for the premium. They had the money in their pocket. Well, guess what? They no longer have the money in their pocket. Their credit card debt's racking up. You have a choice. You can go live in the two-bedroom, two-bath with granite countertops. Yeah. Or you can go live in the two-bedroom, two-bath that's cheaper mm-hmm. with tile countertops. Yeah. With less amenities. Right. Which one do you go to? You yeah. just need a two-bedroom, two-bath. You go to the one with tile countertops in most yeah. cases. Right. And that's where the market's pivoting. Mm-hmm. Now, how hard will that pivot be? How impactful would it be? Will rents drop? Yeah, certainly they'll drop. Especially during times like this when people are really trying to, you know, cut on spending as much as as much as they can. Or if you're dealing with a couple that's, you know, waiting for home prices to come down. Yeah. You know, why why am I gonna go live lavishly in, in- It got so bad during the pandemic. People had to make like those pity, like, you know, our family's so special and we're such a great couple. We'll cherish this property forever for, for properties when the rent. I oh for properties they want to They had to rent. do like the sappy letter, like that is the so crazy properties yeah. want to rent, not just for properties they want to buy. Man. For, just to get a, a look at some rentals. I remember, some I remember when we were house house shopping, I was like, yo, should we put together one of those letters? And you were like, fuck no. No, we're not doing that shit. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> like, fucking not. No yeah, way. exactly. 
There's some things you just don't want out there in permanent record. No, 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 no. Meanwhile, per Freddie Mac, did you hear this? The average 30-year fixed mortgage rate fell for the fifth consecutive week. Six six point two seven percent. Forty four week average is at six point three two percent. Did you see a couple weeks ago everybody and their mother was quoting how there was like a forty year mortgage that was available now? Yeah. And did you catch how everybody fucked that up? No. That forty year mortgage is not available to people getting new mortgages. That forty year mortgage is available to people who had like relief granted to them during yeah. the pandemic and yeah. can't catch up. Mm-hmm. It was. It's a modification of existing mortgages only that were troubled at one point. Oh, I it's heard, not like there's a new forty yeah, year. Yeah, I heard. I heard people were were saying that they they were. That's what they were trying to come out and predict that there's going to be a new forty year product. Well, it was on the table for a little bit, but they didn't realize this is what they were talking about. Yeah, exactly. It was. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get a loan for forty, and that was a product. Man, I want to say in Damn. the late '80s, early '90s. Forty year mortgage sounds crazy to me. Even well, it was forty year amortization. It wasn't yeah. a forty year mortgage. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was okay. back in the neg arm days. Okay. Neg am days. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Let that soak in. That's how old I am. <laughs> I know. I remember that shit. You barely met the cutoff. Yeah, I'm a millennial, apparently. Although, I think Gen Z's are messed up, too. <laughs> Gen Z's messed up. Yeah. Like, I've been watching all these people on social media at Coachella. Oh, I have a cousin that's there right now. I know you do. Yeah. I've seen his photos. I've been following him. <laughs> He's having the time of his life. I don't get it. I'm looking, like, at, I'm looking at him. Why does everybody want to be dirty? What is that? I, I don't get Coachella. I've never, I've never seen the draw. You're in a desert field. There's like y'all dirty. Why? Yeah, why do you want to get dirty? Sand is going everywhere in everyone's eyes. I mean, it's a festival, I guess. I mean, but let's be honest, it's a lot of drugs. Dude, there's a huge American Express. I mean, it, it's corporate now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like it was when, like, when we were younger. Well, right. when I was younger, and it was like literally people in the desert, like you know, right, building shit. Oh, that like, was Woodstock. Okay, you know, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna come out of this room tonight, and we are gonna have some fisticuffs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your sass is on a whole other level today, sir. Me personally, I've never been like the concert guy. I don't understand concerts. To me, the music sounds. I'm way, not a fan. The of music concerts, sounds yeah. way better at home. The only time, and I, we may have to beep this out because we don't get canceled. The only time I realized going to a concert was better was watching Kanye. I was like, okay, this I get it. This sounds way better in person. I, I went to his Watch the Throne tour with Jay Z. Yeah. It was incredible. There was a lot of marijuana in, in the in the building. Because he has an orchestra. It was incredible. When you have an, a live orchestra playing, it's like... But the oh, old Kanye, not the new Kanye. The old, yeah, I like the old yeah, Kanye. Yeah, the old the Kanye. Kanye. New Kanye's no. crazy. I like the old, old Kanye. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but you've been to a good amount of concerts, say. You went I have. Justin. I've been to a Jay-Z. Timberlake concert. I went to a Jay-Z You know just Timberlake got canceled? Huh? What? You know that? Wait, really? There oh. was some... Yeah, you can pull it up. There was a whole like thing about him, like I guess, like possibly cheating on oh, his wife. Oh, is that why he's just been laying low? And he just laid low ever since, yeah. Is that why he's, that you, we haven't seen him? Oh, no. I think so. my wife told me about this. Don't she, do this, I was like, I love JT, bro. Don't do this. Don't do this to me. But apparently there was like some stigma to him. Really? Uh, something, something happened where he had to like lay low for a while. But uh, mm. I don't well, know, man. Don't do it, JT. But yeah, I, I never understood it. So like you go over there, everyone smells. You're out, out there all day. It's hot. Come on. Yeah, I mean. It can't, they, be, it can't be that great. There's, uh, there was I think there was a picture of him. So he pulled up an article. I think I saw it, but there was a picture of him like super close to one of his co-stars and something like that. And uh, it, it okay. was just it came out like we're not we're not gonna defame Justin Timberlake. No, no, no. Too I like much, JT. Too, I'm, too much I'm a fan. JT, yeah. I'm a fan. Like I don't, I don't hate, but he's re- also getting some hate for like I, I refuse guess, to believe it. Like how he treated Britney Spears during what her fallout was, and like he was taking advantage. How he of treated her? What yeah, did he did? Yeah, she, yeah. Didn't she cheat on him? I, well, there's apparently like like she had like mental health issues, and like he was doing some other stuff. And there's a whole like backstory there. Yeah, they're both. Uh, I don't have the time to read those. They're both websites. like Disney actors, kid actors, right? I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, you're a kid and you're famous, man. It's how how you even know the real the right part of the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah, no, all the good looking motherfuckers out there. Yeah, so. clearly it wasn't. Not, I, I was not I, welcome. I, I, I never, club. I never got that shot. You know? Yeah, there's no rotund kid. I was waiting club. too. I was like, the call's coming. There's no pears in that group, bro. <laughs> no there's no pear shaped. Shout out to all the pears. Yeah, there's no thick bottom dudes out there. Mm. Well, let's take the show out with a little bit of a rap song that we caught. Uh, the name of this jet guy is what Eric. Uh, what? Uh, D'Alessandro. D'Alessandro. He made the rounds on social media with a rent forever rap. Mm-hmm. That we think is uh, just right. Yeah, very worthy. So if you're in the car, roll the windows down, turn the volume up, and get ready to rock out. I mean, when is this collapse really gonna start? I'm on Zillow worrying about my heart. Interest rates climbing the charts. How much they want? A million dollars for what? It needs a lot of work and it don't even have a backyard or a garage. Neighborhoods are lacking. Nobody's packing. 750 for a ranch. 50K above asking. How this happened? Thought we had it. Shit is savage. I'm about to end on marriage. My wife wants a dead end where good schools are vetted and AD aesthetic. Forget it. Needs a Starbucks, a home, goods a Target A nail salon, where they do eyebrow threading Forever bugging, girl don't understand the budget That's our best and final line budget I wasn't bluffing, call the realtor, tell me something Sick of open houses, fuck these little muffins What listed <laughs> yesterday is already pending a soul Thought I told you we don't want to live on a main road Think about the traffic, the noise, man the massive annoyance Of trying to find a spot if you come over Now I'm getting lectured by my father He forgets his down payment was a dollar Venting don't even make me feel better. Fuck it. I guess we'll just rent forever. Yeah. I guess we'll just rent forever. That's so good. Well, tell him, Said. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.